to see the world from a totally different perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Good morning and welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca and you're listening to AM 1510, NBC Sports and Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. All right. Have you ever been lied to or deceived by a family member or friend? Well, it's a jungle out there. Discovering that someone you love has lied to you and kept a secret feels pretty devastating. It's like your life changes in an instant. Everything makes no sense and you cannot even imagine your future. Blatant dishonesty can be more painful, did you know, than physical pain? Well, with me here today is Jane Isay, who lived as a both secret finder and a secret keeper for a long, long, long time. She was doing double shifts. She's going to share with us her story and how lies and secrets impact us. Her new book, Secrets and Lies, Surviving the Truths That Change Our Lives, brings unflinching honesty and searing insight into the corners of family dynamics that most of us avoid. We're going to talk about the tangled webs we weave and the pain they inflict on the innocents who become ensnared. And Jane is going to illuminate how to survive a secret. Yes, you can, and yes, you will. Welcome, Jane. Thank you for being here today on Talk with Francesca. I'm so delighted to be here. So it's no secret that secrets are damaging. Full disclosure, tell our listening audience your story. Well, mine is a a not uncommon story. Um, I had been married in the 60s, and 15 years after after our wedding with two children, two sons, my husband confessed to me that he was homosexual. This came as a terrible shock. So you had no idea? I had no idea. Nothing about your sex life that... that well, that's another, you know, I, he was a psychoanalyst, and he told me that after, after five or ten years, sex, people's sex lives kind of disappeared. I believed him. Uh, okay. More fool me. What? <laughs> yeah. You know, life is long and hard. What can I say? Yeah, so, yeah. But, well, there, uh, is, I, there is that rumor out there, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, that after so, five or ten years of marriage, you know. Say bye-bye yeah, to right, sex, but I don't boring. know. It depends on who you're talking to. But anyway, I'm sorry. you got to believe it. Yeah. So uh. and he, he confessed this to me um, at a meeting of the American Psychiatric Association um, in our hotel room the last night. And my life fell up. My future just crashed like little pieces of china on the floor. Because I, I, all the expectations I had of a long life with him, of raising our children to adulthood, the grandchildren, the bar mitzvahs, it was all gone. So and, uh, you did not have any idea that your marriage was, I don't know if I want to call it on the rocks because I'm not sure that's the right in, well, term, it, but be, that your marriage was, was on its way co- out. Complicated. Yeah, or you had no idea that it was on its way out. No. And, and you didn't know so, it was complicated either? I mean, you were just... well. I knew, I, I had a sense that he had been a little bit, un, that something had changed. He didn't seem to be comfortable, as comfortable at home as he had been. I actually asked a very dear friend of mine if she thought he had changed. And she said, yeah, I think he's changed. And I said, what should I do? And she said, you keep on reassuring him how much you love him and that you will always love him, and he'll tell you the truth. And she was right, and he did. So then the question was, what were we going to do? From there. And we flew back from San Francisco in the back of the plane, hugging each other and crying 
And by the time we landed at JFK, we had decided to stay married, to keep this a secret, and to raise our children in a regular home, even if it was no longer a normal home. And so what he was he was happy with that decision as well. I speak up. So he he was happy with with that decision. It was this was a, well, a he, this was a decision both of you came to, and you were well, both we made comfortable. It together. And there were a lot of reasons. Uh, first of all, we loved each other. And, you know, when you're done with the, with the betrayal and you're done with the treachery and you're done with the anger, there is love left. Mm. Um, but he was a psychoanalyst. And at the time, psychoanalysis was as homophobic as being a wrangler. Remember? Yeah. Brokeback Mountain? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it was like for a Freudian. So he needed to stay in the closet. And, so here uh, he is and, helping people come clean in their own lives and be honest with themselves well, and have complete integrity, and yet he's unable to do that for himself. Well, you know, oh. life is very complicated. Sure is. Us. Sure is. And we're all, you know, nobody, I, we can't cast the first stone. Oh, no, 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 that was not a criticism. It was just a, yeah. you know. A, but, he, but he was living a double life. He was living a double life, yeah, as so many people and, do. That's right. And so was I. I went from being a finder of a secret that was going to change my life to a keeper of a secret. Now, which was worse? Uh, keeper. Well, it's hard to know. I think yeah. I think the discovery was a shock mm. and I didn't know what was going to happen and so I did, knew that my life would not be the same and probably wouldn't be good. So did you go through the natural grieving process of loss such as, you know, the shock, the the, yeah. um, well, you know, the, the, the uh, feelings of betrayal, the feelings of sadness, sure. anger, all that stuff. Did you, did you go through that same um, type of process? Yes. You I, did. I, I, I definitely went through that process. But, but you still maintained that relationship as a family unit. Oh, yes. Well, first of all, I'm a very, I am, I am blessed with a good temperament. And I can put almost any pain on a back burner and get on with my life. Really? And so, and I really wanted those children to be okay. And I really wanted, and I, I certainly didn't want anybody to know the secret. What it did, what it did, and it was a relief to know what was going on. When you find out a terrible secret that, that somebody you love is keeping from you, mm. you're angry, you're sad, you grieve, but you also get a sense of, now I get it. I'm not crazy. These things that have been worrying me, mm-hmm. they're not my nuttiness. They're real. But, but then you, didn't you feel a sense of a loss of, of his love? Sure. Right? Terrible loss and terrible anger and terrible sorrow. But there was nothing to do about it. I could, we could have gotten divorced, but I didn't, neither of us wanted that. First of all, because we, were, we found each other wonderfully companionable. Mm-hmm. and so best friends uh, like so many couples are. Yeah. And also, uh, I really felt, I was really, I couldn't imagine uh, living the life of a, I was, I, was, uh, I was running Basic Books, a New York publishing company by then, and commuting from New Haven, where we lived, to New York to run this publishing company. Oh, wow, that's sons, quite a distance every day. Yeah, um, and sons 8 and 12. Mm. <laughs> I couldn't imagine raising them on my own. And he really, really, really loved those boys and men to the day he died. They were the most, aside from the love of his life and the man he eventually married, those boys were the love of his life. 
So and that was it. going to be my next question. What yeah. happens now to the intimacy in the relationship? Obviously, that's been, you know, there was no more of that. Is that right? I guess I shouldn't assume, but that would be my assumption that there would be no more intimacy. Well, there... Okay, here's something that happens that's really interesting. Now Dick and I shared a secret, right? Right. Ooh, yeah. Well, do you know how much what how, what a great what what a great source of intimacy a shared secret is? Uh, so we had that. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But 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 the level of trust goes out the window. That's that's well, the part the, I don't the, get. And so well, I'm, the level of once I knew where what he was doing, uh, once he came out to me. This was a secret he'd kept since he was eight. Wow. Oh, so he, so this was a secret he had his whole life. Yeah. This wasn't something he just figured no, out somewhere along the marriage. Right. So, oh. and he, but, but as he, because he was a Freudian psychoanalyst, I mean, you're in Boston, there are a lot of them. Mm. Um, he believed at the time that you could cure homosexuality through psychoanalysis. And he went six days a week for nine years trying to cure himself. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So um, it was, you know, it was all, like everything in life, it was complicated. Yep. And it was hard. And uh, I wouldn't recommend it. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, whenever there's a, you know, we're keeping a secret, I think. I can't hear you. I think whenever we're keeping a secret, I think, we, you know, yeah. there's, there's trouble. But so let's talk a little bit about the price of keeping a secret. Oh, this is, this is something, you know, I wrote this book, Secrets and Lies, right. uh, partly to under, mainly to be able to try to understand how my experience shaped up with the experiences of, of other people. And I interviewed scores and scores of secret keepers and secret finders. And what I found... Very interesting, among other things, was that my experience of this loneliness, this cold iciness of not being able to be really close to my friends. Oh, right, um, because you couldn't tell them either. Could, you couldn't get near any of the subjects. You were always alert. What? You know, a friend would say, oh, God, you know, my husband, he, and I would change the subject. Yeah. Um, so I that really, so then you, then you start cutting out intimacy all over the place. I hadn't all even... over the place. And my image for that is, um, you know, when you when you go into a ladies' room at a big airport, mm -hmm. there's a great big long hall of doors mm -hmm. to the stalls. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine your life with every door to intimacy shut. It's very lonely. Very lonely. And and now, but but did your friends notice something different about you? No, but no. Well, they. I kept a very good front up, um, and what I learned to do with my close friends is to listen to them, mm -hmm. and I would be kind of their confessor, and they would say, how are you? And I'd say, you know, it's fine. I'm fine. Later, when they So they out, knew that you weren't happy, but it was well, just kind of a like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I don't I, get it. They knew I was fine. They knew I had these two amazing kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a really good job. Um, we put on dinner parties Friday and Saturday. We lived in New Haven. I do back-to-back -back dinner parties, so I only had to cook one meal and get one bowl of flowers. Um, we had a good life, so they didn't—they didn't look into it. Um, and many years later, I ran into an old friend of ours from those years in New Haven, and she said, "You know, you always seem so sad." Oh, isn't that interesting? And I said, "Well, now you know why." So then you weren't keeping it so well. I didn't know that I was keep looking sad. I thought I was smiling. 
you know, your eyes, some, and she's very, she's, this is a very perceptive woman, <laughs> but it was hard. I, I write in my book that some days I'd be walking in the street, you know, thinking to myself, you don't, you don't keep a, don't keep a mirror in front of your face. And sometimes people would come up to me or passing me in the street and say, are you all right, lady? Really? So, well, the price of keeping a secret is is is, is, is hollowing your spirit out. Yeah. And, and at what point did you finally say, "I've had enough. I'm not going to keep this a secret anymore"? Well, or was it, or was it him who finally decided that he needed to come out with? Well, no. Mother? What happened was, I was doing this. I I was doing this. My reason for staying married for another nine years was for the children. And there's a chapter in my book, Secrets and Lies, called "We Stayed Married for the Children," and it. And it's not about me. It's about people I've talked to. But, you know, there are people who make all kinds of decisions of compromising their happiness because they think it's really important for their children to uh, have two parents. Do you believe that really, though? I mean, what? do you believe that really? Well, I think it is the overarching rationalization. Yeah, that's what I'm, I, I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think oftentimes, you know, this is my take, but that couples will stay together and they'll say they're staying together for the sake of the children. But, but truthfully, I think what really is going on is they're afraid to let go, and so they're using the. Ch- that's right. Right. I that's what I think. I, I, you know, that's because you know something. Kids are resilient. And I think that in in some ways, lying, having a false life is um, not good for a child's character. I think. Right. That they, but what remember, do you think? I was at. I think you know. I think I think we're both right. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, I actually wrote a piece that, that was published in the New York Times a couple of years ago about uh, about what a rationalization it is to stay married for the children. Oh, but, really? Yeah, but I also I you know I was publishing. I, I was running basic books, a, a, a social science and behavioral science publishing company in New York, and there was this great researcher, Judy Wallerstein, whose first book I published, and she, for over 25 years, she chronicled the problems that children face when their parents get divorced. So, and I believed her. I don't agree with her anymore, but I believed her then. And I didn't know. I was trying to do what was best for me mm-hmm. and for my kids. I was scared. I didn't want to be alone. I was afraid about of my financial fortunes. I wondered how the kids would grow up. You'd be a single <laughs> mom. What, how would didn't that be for that. you? Didn't want that. And I didn't want to tell my parents because they oh, would have had a fit. Oh. And did you? So, are your parents alive today? No, they're long dead. And and did they? Did you ever tell them? Nope. My, I fa- I, my mother died before I found out. And uh, after Dick told me the truth, a year or two later, he said, you know, when you said, when your mother died and you said, this is the hardest thing I've ever experienced, he said, I thought to myself, I have something harder for her. Uh, um, uh, my fa- I, I, I knew about Dick when my father, after my mother died, I just didn't, my father had a bad heart and I just didn't want to. I didn't want to tell him, and I didn't want to uh, put him in danger. Right. Also, there were a lot of people I didn't tell because I thought they would say, get rid of the bastard. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, um, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm talking with Jane Isay. Is that how you pronounce your last name, Jane? Yes. Okay, good. About lies and secrets and how we can deal with them. You know, quite some time ago, I did a segment on egg donation. How do you feel yes. about How do you know? It's sort of a very interesting one. Um, 
How do you feel about telling children how they actually came into the world? Now, I'm not talking about ado- I'm not talking about adoption because I think uh-huh. children who are adopted out. You know, this is that's um, a little bit. This is new. It's still somewhat, you know, new, and it's just beginning. Yeah, I've been following it because. Hi, you know, in the book, there are a number of stories about people who didn't know they were adopted mm-hmm. and who learned as adults that they were adopted or that their father really wasn't dead and so on and so on. So now the question of this egg donation comes up. And I read a very interesting article that said, this is very much like the beginning of the open adoption movement. Mm-hmm. The um, In the days when uh, everybody thought it was just fine to keep from the adoptive parents the identities of the first parents, the birth parents, and then people who were adopted had to go through hoops to find out who their birth parents were. That's changed a lot. And this article said it's going to change with egg donation and with artificial insemination because people, they may not have the emotional ties, but they have genetic issues they need to know about. And I think the day will come, I hope the day will come, when... Um, when these records are available to the people who are have have benefited from the eggs and the sperm, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, this is an, an entire. We could do a whole show on on this one. You know, just I, yeah. I have very strong feelings about it. Um, but anyway, um, let me just ask you um, a different, a totally different question. Do you think secrets? Are there ever secrets that shouldn't be told? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, You know, because I'm thinking, you know, it's funny, you know, there was a time when, you know, you told your, you know, your best friend everything, you told your spouse everything, and then, you know what, Um, you know, my my own feeling is sometimes telling everything, I'm not so sure is such a good good idea, but I think that, I mean, I, I do believe, obviously, the more vulnerable you are, and the more you disclose, the the more intimacy, but, you know, sometimes I just... Well, I agree with you. And I think there are times when I, I think and we all keep secrets, don't we? We all do. And I think you know, you you, you had a lousy night. You know, you went over to your friends, and you really couldn't wait to get home. You call the next day and say, "Gosh, that was a great party, huh?" Yeah, that's how we live. Um, and there are all kinds of secrets that are nobody's business. Right. Um, um, I also and and there's one set of secrets that you really, really, really shouldn't tell, and that's somebody else's secret. Oh yes. By the way, yes. Um, unless there, unless the secret is uh, something about abuse, and then you may want to take steps. The other secrets that I've found are painful are deathbed revelations, because you never get a chance to talk to the person about what really happened. So could you that, t- tell us more? I'm not sure I quite understand what you're saying. So there's a there's a man in my book mm-hmm. whose whose father. Uh, had actually killed himself, committed suicide, although he was told that he had died of pneumonia. Mm. And uh, he overheard the conversation in the kitchen, and uh, and they would never talk about it, never, never could talk about it. And he, of course, felt it was his fault. All children take full responsibility for anything bad that happens if it's not explained. Mm-hmm. And he became very close with his grandmother, uh, his father's father, and only in his 20s, did he get the chance to talk about his father and only with her? Mm-hmm. Um, and the the couple had a bad marriage and he ha- he suffered from depression and he was hospitalized and he begged uh, this man's mother uh, to take him back and she refused. 
so he went to live with his parents, this grandmother, Mm -hmm. and she told uh, this man that she had a confession to make. What was the confession? Well, her son had written his wife a letter in which he listed all the bad things he was done, had done. He was a player. He probably fathered a number of children in the neighborhood and so on. And he, and he said, well, what did my mother think about the letter? And his grandma said, I tore it up. Mm-hmm. So now he knew that this grandmother, whom he adored more than anybody in the world, might have been responsible for his father's death. Oh. Now, that's a hard secret. And, you know, how how do people really get along afterwards of, of um, you know, well, after the, the shock of it all? How do you, after, you you know, everything's well, blown up, how, how does someone um, reconcile well, this, that? It's a very interesting process, and this is something that I really, really, really am happy to have learned about through my research and to be able to tell you. Um once you've got the shock, you've got the anger, anger is great. It cauterizes, you know, and you're self-righteous, and it gives you energy. Um, but if the person who has, um, has told you the secret walks away from explanations, then you're lost. I think of the great plays from, from the Greeks right through John Robin Bates. You know, a lot of great theater ends with the revelation, and then the curtain comes down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the secret, the revelation, the curtain comes down. Oedipus Rex. He finds out that he's been sleeping with his mother. He puts out his eyes. Down comes the curtain. In life, there's a fourth act. And that act is the act of talking about it, of explaining, of going through it again and again and again. And, over, and, and for the person who's kept the secret, who has been the betrayer, to actually sit there and experience the pain and the hurt and the questions of the person who's been harmed. Absolutely. Uh, Jane, um, we're getting, um, you're giving us tons of information. I love it. Um, but we're, we have to take a quick break, so we'll be right back. New England winters can wreak havoc on our vehicles. Sometimes it's just not enough to wash and vacuum them. Sometimes a full detail is in order. Do you remember the last time your car or truck was in that pristine condition? Remember how you felt? It's time to get that feeling back again. A full detailing from Tony's Recon can get you back in the driver's seat. Call Tony at 978-590-3693 or visit Tony'sRecon.com. You'll be glad you did. If you are looking for a transformation fitness center that's based on results with a motivating and energizing exercise environment, then the Boston North Fitness Center is the place for you. Located at 30 Prince Street in Danvers, Boston North Fitness Center is family-owned with a fully dedicated staff who themselves have lost over 250 pounds combined. With over 4,000 members, the experienced staff not only does their job, but cares about doing their jobs. For more information, call 978 770 or log on to bostonnorthfitness.com. Hi, everybody. It's Francesca. Recently I moved, but what I didn't realize is just how much stuff I brought with me. I was so freaked out. I really needed to maximize the space in my master closet. So I immediately called Closet Classics of Andover to help me get organized. Nick, the owner, came right out to help me and quickly assess what I needed. 
The process was so easy. All I had to do was tell him what I wanted and my worries were over. I'd recommend Closet Classics of Andover to anyone looking to get their life more organized. Closet Classics have been in business for 10 years and offers a complete line of home organization solutions for closets, pantries, garages, laundry rooms, you name it. Whether you're looking for something extravagant or simple, Closet Classics will make your life simpler. Give them a call today at 978-475-2433 or visit their website at www.ccandover.com and start planning your organized future now. If you're anything like me, your dog is no different than your child. That's why when I need to be somewhere that I can't take my little guy, I bring him to the Playful Pack in Ipswich. There isn't a thing that the Playful Pack doesn't provide to give your furry friend a great day of socializing. They even separate the small dogs from the big. What a relief that was for me. My little guy has a big personality, but he is still only 20 pounds, so I feel so much more comfortable with him playing with kids his own size. And at any time, I can open up the Playful Pack's webcam and see exactly what he's doing. Now that's that's maintaining control. Your pet will exercise, play, and rest in a safe, clean, and comfortable environment. So it's kind of a no-brainer whether you want to take your dog when you're not around. Visit theplayfulpack.com or call 978-356-3698 today. You'll be glad you did. The Jocelyn Diabetes Center and the High Hopes Fund present the 2014 City Feast, Sunday, January 26th at 6 o'clock p.m. Please join us for a five-course dinner with wine pairings at your choice of one of Boston's exclusive restaurants. Proceeds benefit the Jocelyn Diabetes Center's High Hopes Fund. Log on to jocelyn.org slash cityfeast to find out more and get a list of the participating restaurants. The 2014 City Feast, Sunday, January 26th at 6 o'clock p.m. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca every Saturday morning right here on 1510 NBC and Yahoo Sports Radio Boston. Hey, Madonna, want to play a game? What game? It's called Two Truths and One Lie. Oh, like my movie, Truth or Dare. Oh, that's so 1991. This is the new game all the kids are playing. How do you play it? Well, I tell you two truths and one lie, and you have to decide which is which. We're back, and with me today is Jane Isay. We've been talking about lies and secrets and getting past the unthinkable. I'm actually getting a few questions from the Truth Serum chat box here um, for you. So, um, Shauna from Beverly, my husband was sexually abused as a child. He finally told me after 10 years of marriage that he doesn't want to get help or talk about it, but I really think it's affecting our sex life. Any suggestions? Hmm. Um. That's a very hard one. That is, is. a very hard one. Um, it's like, here's the problem, but we're not going to do anything about it. I think that a person who has been abused has so much pain that, um, of course, you want, them, you want that person to find help, to seek help. I don't think you can push a person into therapy if they don't want it, though. And I think I think for somebody who has been abused, who has been so harmed, the you can't push them around. They've already done things that they didn't want to do. Why do you think, Jane, that people cling to deception and denial, Rochelle from Manchester? Well, that's a wonderful question. The uh, we're born with the ability to see or not to see anything. Um, that's how our brains work. If we if we were conscious of all the information that was coming into our brains, we'd be crazy. We make we make distinctions, um, and one of the reasons why 
we fail to see what's in front of our noses when it comes to secrets and lies is that we don't want our notions of where we are and how we live to be upset. There are mechanisms in our brains that keep us on the story that we think we know. Mm-hmm. And um, keeps us safe, just right? Out. People who want to stay married. There's a man in my book whose wife was sleeping with the teenage babysitter, the boy they had hired. Mm. And the kids are saying, you know, Mom is getting awfully close to Henry. And he says, oh, never mind. His parents say, we're not going to visit you anymore. You know, (laughs) your wife is just too close to Henry. And it wasn't until he caught her in an outright lie that he came to realize that this was true. And, um, And he said to me, you know, this is the worst moment in my life when I realized that she had been sleeping with this kid who's only oh, six years older than my oldest daughter. Oh, my gosh. Something humiliating said, almost about that. Humility. How could he, how could she have done this? Well, you know, they got divorced, and he quit his traveling salesman job so he could be home with the kids. And he started a new career as a teacher, and he found a new wife. She married the babysitter who's 20 years younger than she is, oh. you know. Well, then, said, what's going to happen when she's, you know, 70 and he's he 50, said, right? <laughs> I said to him, how do you feel about he, her? He said, the numbers work, Jane. In 20 years, she'll be 60 and he'll be 26. But he said to me at the end, he said, you know, I have decided I changed my life and now I lead a totally transparent life. He said, uh... Honesty is the best pillow, and I sleep like a baby. Ah. And he ended by saying, if I had known, he said, if I had, I am in such a good place mm-hmm. that if the worst thing that ever happened to me was my knowledge that she was sleeping with a babysitter, I've had a good life. Right. People right. survive. People survive. You know, there's a sort of this keeper in chief, you know, that has a lot of power, and it's often one yeah. or both parents. You know, yeah. kids have to keep secrets to survive, especially in, oh, yes. in um, you know, families of abuse. The one that's outspoken is the, the, the child that gets into a lot of trouble. It's the, the yeah. peacemaker that is the perfect child, which makes, you know, and then the parents always wanting the, the, the one who's bringing it to the forefront to be like yeah. that peacemaker. So that's really, um, that's sort of an, an interesting um, dynamic there. Why do you think that there's, You've got two kids, of course, it might be more of a Freudian question, but there are two children. One may be the peacemaker, the other one's asking all sorts of questions. Why, how, growing up in the same, same family, how can they be so entirely different that one just wants everything to stay cool and the other absolutely has no tolerance you know, for... It's a great question, and um, I wrote a book about siblings called Mom Still Likes You Best. Well, I know, and I was going to do that the second half today, but then as I began to... Um, think about this interview a bit, I thought, I'll, I'll never be able to pull off Secrets and Lies right. in but one segment, answer- so I'd have to do both segments for one show, so we're going we're gonna, to uh, schedule that later, and we're going to talk that about that as great. well. But an answer- and I have to admit, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's more, I have more than a passing interest on that, that's all I'll say. But anyway... We'll, we'll talk about that later, but yeah. what, hap- what I have discovered is that in families where there is... I have a chapter in Secrets and Lies called The Little Detective. Uh-huh. That's about the kids in a family who just get it and they see that something is weird and they try their best to find out the truth. And the other siblings could care less. 
Oh, okay. So maybe it's just a it, maybe it's just a genes thing, right? So, or maybe it's that an astrological sign. Who knows, right? Maybe one is right. I think I think what happens is that within a family, mm-hmm. within siblings, think of it as a pie, mm-hmm. and if one kid has this piece of the pie, the other is going to take another piece of the pie. So you have the curious one, and you have the peacemaker, and you have the troublemaker. But um, what I discovered... But, but is that child necessarily a troublemaker because they're... No, they're... I, that's the third one. Now, oh. I think the kid who is looking into things... You know, there's a story in my book about a, a woman who figured out that her mother was having an affair, and this, at when she was eight... Her mother was driving in the country very long, very long evenings, and she said she was looking at the blooming flowers, Mm -hmm. and this woman thought, she's not looking at the flowers that long. She must be sleeping with somebody. She's eight years old. Then she overheard her father accuse her mother of having an affair, Mm -hmm. and, and, and she heard her mother's answer. Her father said, are you sleeping with my law partner? And her mother said, preposterous. So my friend knew that her mother was lying, because if she wasn't sleeping with his partner, she would have said, I'm not sleeping with him. Do you think that um, children who grow up with parents who lie become yeah. liars themselves? And what, and what I mean by that is, for example, let's say that a woman is, is cheating on her husband. Um, yeah. And let's say the the daughter knows um, yeah. it, it, you know, I'm thinking about the same sex you know, so the daughter and the mother. Yeah. Do you think then the daughter is more inclined, it's more likely that she will repeat what her mother has done and then go ahead and have an affair just like her mother did? Because oftentimes, you know, there seems to be, you know, the old apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Sure. There's a, that's a good question, and, there, and I have an answer for you. <laughs> You'd be surprised that I have an answer. Um, <laughs> people have, people, there are really two roads two paths that people can choose. One is to perpetuate, and the other is to turn 180 degrees and decide what I saw, what I experienced, I'm not going to put, I'm not going to perpetuate. And this very woman who uh, didn't ask her mother about her mother's affair uh, for 30 years, she, she adopted some children, and she was very open with them because she believed in the power of truth kindly and well told but told well that that i actually want to ask you about that um is there a way to tell a secret that you really have to get out i mean you know yeah i mean no matter how you slice it it's i'm sure painful if the person is keeping a secret for a long period of time there's reason they're keeping it and you know for yeah. a number of reasons so is there a way because sometimes sure. i think people tell you know, their secret, and they sort of tell like a portion of it or something. And, you know, it's well, like, well, will you just tell the whole damn story or, or what? You know, it's like out with it already, you know? <laughs> it's almost more, you know, I know there's, there was that era where silence was considered golden, you know, a way of not. life, you know? Well, it's not golden. It's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. And I, I agree with you totally, Francesca. And one of the things that I, that I say in the book and that I've learned is if your secret comes out, many times, it, you know, there's an anonymous letter or a clue, or if you decide to tell, you have to prepare yourself for t- sitting very quietly and taking all the anger and explaining what you were thinking. If you do that, there's a hope of re- reconciliation. If you say, well, this is the secret and I'm not going to talk about it anymore, you're cooked. Mm-hmm. Because the person who's been betrayed needs to know the whole story, needs to know 
not not the other the the reasons why. Right, and they need to know just not in one conversation. They probably need That's to right. know in several because our emotions, you know, they they you know, and our feelings, they kind of go in and out and up and down. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, you know how it is. Absolutely. You know, you feel and, and, something happens one day, and five days later, you feel completely different. That's right, and particularly something that I'm not going to call it traumatic, but something that that serious as learning a big secret. You know, you talk about it, you think about it, it comes back in your mind, and the person who has who has kept the secret, the keeper, if that person wants to contain a re- retain a relationship, it's very hard to keep the patience. It's very hard to answer those questions a hundred more times, but it is healing. And there's a story, a woman in, in my book who got a, an anonymous letter that she was adopted, mm, and she went to her parents, she called her parents and said, what is this? And they lived an hour drive away, and, and they, they, she called in the morning, and, and they, they called her after 8 o'clock at night, and they said, well, we'll come next week. We're busy now. She was beside herself, and there was no explanation that satisfied her. They never told her the details of why they adopted her. So she went and she found the adoption agency, and she found her birth parents, but she never forgave them. If they had just... They were scared of her. They thought they knew she was angry, so they backed away. And by we really time, do need to have the truth in our lives, don't I? Don't we? Just I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm not talking about necessarily both. Whether you've got a secret, I think it's important to get it out. And I think that if someone has a secret that they're keeping from you, they need to get it out. I mean, I think that you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, I mean, there's just something inauthentic uh, well, about you know, it. You know, I mean. I, I, I think you're right, I, but I, I, I think you're right. I think if you go for authenticity and for um, intimacy, then the truth comes out. And my mantra in this book and in my life is, at least I know. Once you know something, then you're standing on solid ground. Mm-hmm. When you suspect or there are with fears or there are wonders, you're in mush. If you know and you accept it, you can figure out what to do next. And so I'm not talking about the little secrets, but I'm talking many, many, many times. Um, You know, somebody has a miscarriage and they don't tell their children. Well, of course, you wouldn't bother telling children, except that when the child born after the miscarriage discovers this, they might have an understanding of the pressures that uh, that they had as children to kind of be the replacement child. Okay, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Talk with Francesca, and I'm speaking with Jane Isay, and she's the author of Secrets and Lies, and we are uh, discussing surviving the truths that change our lives. I actually have a couple more questions coming through here. Carrie from Braintree, sometimes it seems like the way one is told is as impactful as the lie. Speak up. Sometimes it seems like the one who is is told is as impactful as the lie itself. I have, yes. Okay, so wait. Let me. It's a long one here. I have a girlfriend whose partner has been disinterested, cough, cough, for some time. Mm-hmm. There isn't anyone out there that doesn't know this. He tries to let her know without hurting her too much, but she doesn't want to see it. It's almost like yeah. she won't accept it until he bats her over the head. I feel like a liar not being honest with her about this, but she refuses to talk about it. She justifies his behavior all the time. I'm not really sure what the question actually is. It seems more well, like we a could, statement, we can... but couple of questions there. First of all, um, people don't, um, people really prefer, sometimes prefer the status quo, and it's really her decision. 
whether she stays with this guy or not. Um, and uh, it's very hello, yep. very painful to watch, but that's the reality. I think I think the rule here is you don't tell somebody else's secret, and you wait and to bring the subject up. You just got to stay away from it. Because what happens when you meddle is that they blame you for all the troubles that happen next. Isn't that the truth, huh? Uh-huh. It, you're, yeah. yeah. Isn't it, said, how many I times has it. a friend said to another friend, oh, you know, your, your boyfriend, I think he's cheating. And the next thing yeah. you know, you're not friends. And then the next thing you know, they're married. But then years later, you find out that he's cheating. I know. And you're not a friend. Of, it's, yeah. You know, and I then you're not a friend anymore, right? But, oh, right. my gosh. Yeah. So I think that, I think that the, 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 our natural wish to help and meddle needs to be controlled. Because it's really none of our business. Um, so yeah. what are the effects of silence in a family? Oh, that's a wonderful question. If there is something, I have a chapter in Secrets and Lies called If You See Something, Say Something. Mm -hmm. And that's about families in which there is a secret. There is something bad happened. And everybody has been told we can't talk about it. Um, One man's sister died of, of polio. And they could never talk about her, even though all of her possessions were in a big chest in the living room. Mm hmm. Well, you can't be close to your family if the biggest, most awful thing that happened in the family, you can't talk about. It really divides people and it separates people. And um, I strongly, strongly, strongly urge that if there's something that you have, there's something terrible, that something hurtful that has happened in the family, that there, that the the edict of silence be lifted. Well, you know, it's like the um, the family that has, you know, the alcoholic. Mo- it's like the family who has maybe the alcoholic father or the mother, the mother who's mentally ill, and yeah. it, you know, it, the secret cannot come out. I mean, you know, it's like you know, in the old days, like shut the windows. You know, we don't want anybody right. to hear what's going on. But you know, if people need to ha- put meaning to situations in their life and if things don't feel right you know they're they're going to go after the truth anyway i don't know i've always been a seeker of the truth you know which is you know got me in which is why you do this show well right and it's gotten me in oodles of trouble but i just can't stop myself it's a compulsion but i i think that i think there's a difference between what happens when the front door is shut i think honesty and acceptance needs to be there if you don't want to talk about your mother's mental illness or your father's alcoholism out with your school friends, that's your choice. But within the home, anything that is really upsetting and worrisome ought to be, especially for kids, ought to be the subject of conversation. Yeah, but what, what if the kid can't, you know, what if the, the parents, you know, it's like we were talking about the, 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 the uh, chief keeper, you know, the, the keeper yeah. of the, right? Um, what if both parents have this, you know, pact that we're going to keep, you know, the, the father is a, you know, uh, yeah, alcoholic or the mother's mentally ill, whatever. So then, what do the, what do these like poor little kids do? I mean, they're you know, of course, well, this is yeah. so insidious. You know, it ends up being one of these. You know, it, it's like those really big secrets: the suicide, the abuse, the hidden right. siblings, the affairs. They're all. You know, I mean, we go yeah, well, on ever. In some families, the kids talk, but those are the ones that usually other. get themselves into trouble. No, I think the kids. I had I interviewed a woman for another book whose parents were were totally drunk, totally drunk by 6 o'clock. The mother would put the, ta- the food on the table. The girls would keep their door shut until their mother called because she was drunk. They'd eat their dinner, they'd clean up the dishes, they'd go back to their rooms. That was the way they survived their alcoholic parents. 
What, but they had each other, which yep. is really important. Which is really important. But that is, you know, and, and that's not always the case as well, because sometimes, because you were just saying earlier that sometimes when there's a secret, it's dividing the family. Well, and then there's the parents who keep the children sort of, you know, the dividing and conquering because oh. if if the child the ch they see that the children are sort of, you know, coming together, that may be yeah. threatening, and so they have to keep the children apart, and they do, and then there's a division, and then there's then there's more trouble. Then there's yeah. just a mess. Then it's just there's just a mess. Okay, wait, I have another one here, but this person does not have a name. Uh, do you think that when one of the spouses can't hear you? Um, this one has no name. Do you think that when one of the spouses cheats and the kids know it, that the kids end up doing the same thing? Well, I actually asked that question. For example, a mother cheats and the daughter knows. Ah, okay. Do you think it's likely the daughter will be a cheater? Okay, so we, so did, did we answer? Did Speak we, up, Francesca. Um, I actually asked this question. Um, do you, um, but this is the same question, really. This is someone who did not leave their name, but they said, do you think that when one of the spouses cheats and the kids know it, that the kids end up doing the same thing? Thing. No. Right. I well, you said not, that because you had actually answered that question. I do so. not think, I think that this is a myth. Let me just say this straight out. I think it is a myth that people who grow up in a situation that isn't good are, are, are bound to continue that. We can make, we are, we have great resilience within us and, and, and we, we're not, we are simply not uh, doomed to repeat the mistakes of our parents. Okay, good. Here's another one. Brittany from Salem. It has been said that how we feel is affected by what we think. If we are lying to ourselves to keep up with our story, isn't that creating a whole other set of feelings about knowing that you're lying to yourself? Oh, I like that question. That's a great question. Mm, it really um, is. That's one of the things that happens when you're in a state of, you know, th when you're in a state of denial, when things are pretty clear but you don't want to, uh, you don't want to face them. And um, it, takes a, it takes heroic love of reality and truth to come out of your denial because you're denying something because you know that if you accept it, you're going to be in trouble. There's going to be pain. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we do. Every, and, and there are times when um, it has this state of denial has terrible uh, effects on the people who are denying. And sometimes, you know, you love somebody, you love them for their good and their bad, and so you're not really focusing on how really bad something has gone. Many cases in my book, people I've interviewed, the wives were going sailing along. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. were really bad, and it finally took the husband to say, look, I've been having an affair. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it, huh? So, um, what is then the role of lies in keeping up secrets? Well, it's, here's the, here's the dynamic: something bad, something happens that you're ashamed of, right? That's the act. Guilt. Then you keep a secret, right? Right. Then the only way to keep the secret is to lie about the fact. So, to, your, to yourself, you're saying, or to anybody? Yeah. Well, here's a story from my childhood. I was in fourth grade. We were supposed to walk from 82nd and West End Avenue to the Museum of Natural History in silence, two by two. The girl next to me was talking to me, and my teacher said, Jane, you were talking. I said, no, I wasn't. She said, then you were listening. Go back to the class. I didn't go to the museum that day. I was devastated. I got home. My mother said, 
how is your the museum? I said, fine, Mom. <laughs> I didn't want her to know that I'd gotten into trouble. Right, right, of course. Now, everybody survived that. But when you're in trouble, when you've done something you're not proud of, right. you are going to lie about it. How long it takes until you tell the truth has a big impact on the anger and the discomfort of the person who finally comes. So the, so the, the sooner you tell the truth, the better. Well, if you can do it, yeah, because, because so they say, oh, my God, you did that, or our family is really Jewish, or there's a thief <laughs> in the cousin. And why didn't you tell me? So there's the, there's the secret, and then there's the why didn't you say. And the longer you keep it and the more carefully you weave the fabric of lies, the more the secret keeping becomes injurious and angry-making. Right. Let's talk about guilt a little bit, because I think it's yeah. kind of interesting that, um, you know, sometimes, let's, let's go back to say cheating here, that, you know, the person has this justification that oh, yeah. they weren't being treated right by their partner, their partner's changed, their partner's not giving them what they want, X, Y, and Z. So it makes it sort of okay. So now they finally tell their partner, but they kind of, they, they blame their partner. I just yeah. think, I mean, that's like, it's almost like, why bother to... Why bother to tell it, the, the, the truth then, yeah. and then go and, and, you know, just either fess up and tell the truth and be responsible and accountable for your own behavior, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like, because that happens a lot. I think there's that, you know, okay, okay, I got to tell you, but, you know, how many times have you heard of someone who, you know, cheats on their spouse and, oh, but, you know, I, I cheated on him or I cheated on her because I was driven yeah to it so it's like not it's refusing to be accountable that drives me nuts i hate Uh, that i think you know it's really a hard thing and it is when one of the things that happens when the secret comes out is you really have to take responsibility for what you did Mm -hmm. if you want the relationship to continue Mm -hmm. if you've been you know if you've been having an affair and you want to break up the marriage and you want to go live with the person you've been sleeping with then don't, you know, then you can say, well, you know, you didn't do this or this was wrong, and life goes on because you want out of the relationship. If you want to maintain some kind of connection, then, then even though it's hard and even though you hate it, you have to come clean. Mm-hmm. Because if there's more ambiguity after the secret has been revealed, it's much, much harder on the finder. Don't you think that it's very hard to rebuild after a betrayal, though? Yeah. I mean, really? Is. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. There are just, there are some people who, you know, are able to do it. You know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not one of them. Um, You're not one of them. No, I, no, I, I'm really not. Um, no, because I just, that would be just too much. It would, it would, well, it would trigger too much from my own, um, you know, past issues in growing up. Well, we are all different, and we are all, you know, we're all just humans. We're just that's right. Not, that's absolutely we, right. And until you've walked we, in someone's shoes, see, right? You know. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things I tried so hard in Secrets and Lies was to keep the judgment out of it. I've been interviewed. People have said, "Well, isn't it sick to do this?" And I've said, "I won't use that word." And isn't it wrong? And I say, you know, I can't say that. We all get ourselves into situations that are painful, and we're not sure how to get out of them. Mm-hmm. This is a book that is meant to help people see the situations and learn different solutions and what works for some people and what doesn't. And I think, I think it's really, really important 
for people who are keeping secrets to have a sense that they are not the worst person in the world Mm -hmm. otherwise, or that they can somehow make restitution. Otherwise, they're going to keep that secret going and everybody's going to suffer. Jane, I say, author of Secrets and Lies, thank you so much for being on Talk with Francesca today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. All right. We've got to wrap wrap things up. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jane, for sharing. And thank you to my awesome producer, Brian. Keep your questions coming. Write to me and let me know what's on your mind at info at talkwithfrancesca.com. Got to go. See you later. Make it a fantastic week. Less than 4.4 seconds. That's how long you have to convince your potential customers to stay on your website before they go elsewhere. With so much competition on the web, it's hard enough to get your market's attention. The only thing harder is keeping it. Web developer and marketer April Ann Francis makes it easy to do both. Boost your business with responsive blogs, social media marketing, WordPress design, custom Facebook pages, e-commerce, Google+, search engine, and mobile presence. Training available. Visit AprilAnnFrancis.com, email April at AprilAnnFrancis.com, or call 413-320-9233. That's 413-320-9233. Are you looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you'll want to dine at Terramia's. This North End Italian restaurant provides a simply divine culinary experience, and as quoted in Zagat's Restaurant Guide, pastas without compare and it's reasonably priced. This North End gem will keep you coming back. Terami is simply the best Italian restaurant in all of Boston. Call 617-523-3112, 617-523-3112, or terramiarestaurante.com. Moving into your new home or office is easy when you trust the experienced professional movers of the Brickhouse Moving Company. And if you're looking for dedicated movers who will take the stress out of your next move, Call the Brickhouse Moving Company at 978-278-3578. We serve all of New England, both residential and commercial moves. No job is too small. Doing the move yourself? No problem. Brickhouse Moving can provide you with all the packing materials you'll need. Call us today at 978-278-3578 or visit us online at BrickhouseMovingCompany.com.